Lorenzi, Lorenzi, eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che da go! Go! il magnifico, il magnifico, il magnifico rettore! Capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. C'est fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro Iniesta! The doctor is now in. Hour number two, glad to have you here. TC Martin Show streaming live wherever you may be. Ballpark VGK Frank by my side. Numchuck on the other side of the glass. We make sure that he is always on the other side of the glass, that he's not it. Quit knocking. Quit knocking. Someone knocking on the door. Somebody ringing a bell. You know that one, don't you, Frank? Do me a favor, open the door, let him in. Yeah, ding. There it is. (laughs) Better than me saying knock, knock, knock on heaven's door. That's a bad sign. There it is. That's, though it might have been apropos with all the talk we talked about the baseball mm. players and Hall of Famers that have passed away. It's true. Bob Nightingale, appreciate him joining us last hour talking Hall of Fame. That uh, interview will be up on the website, so check that out later, tcmartinshow.com. This, it's also one of those songs that's been covered by a ton of people. It has. It has. Yeah. I like the Guns N' Roses version. Yeah. <laughs> Axel does a great job. Huh? Does a great job singing it. How about Axel Foley? Were you a fan of Axel Foley? Uh, I, I, I enjoy the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Only two axles I've ever known. You know? Really? Yeah. Yeah? Only two. Yeah. I, Do you yeah. think that's why they decide to name Eddie Murphy Axel Foley after Axel and Rod? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> Next time I interview Eddie, I'll, I'll ask him that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> don't know if they ran that past him. By the way, the next time will be the first time that I've interviewed uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Yeah. So. I got some Eddie stories for you. Yeah. 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 Eddie, Eddie used to crash my concerts. And when I say crash my concerts, he would, yeah. You know, uh, Mr. Murphy would like tickets. Yeah. The box office is right over there. <laughs> got good news for him. We're not sold out yet, but get him, qu- but get uh, him soon. Eddie, Eddie would like to sit in the first eight rows. It's like the box office is right over there. Yeah. Well, when I did uh, Rick James, you yeah. know, they, they were they were buddies. And again, well, didn't, yeah. was. In the movie Life, yeah. we've talked about that before. Well, when yeah. Eddie Murphy did that song, was it with Rick James that he did it? That he was Rick that, James' yeah. band, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe that you would remember that song. I mean, that's not your genre at all. Oh, it's not my genre at all, but they played it all the time, and it was. And I think Saturday Night Live did skits with yeah. it, too, and that kind of stuff. Party so, yeah. all the time. Yeah. There it is. That is not a yeah. Ballpark Frank song. No, no. It, but, it, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you who it is. It's time to hit the dance floor. It's an all-skate right now. Here she comes. Rolling her way in, it is the one, the only, the Henny Henny Dog, Heidi Fang. You remember, you remember this one, Heidi, don't you? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It, it's an all skate? Are, are, are we doing the map? We, we doing the show from Crystal Palace now? Yeah, is that? <laughs> exactly. Wait, put away your guns. All right. Who's Mayweather fighting on the undercard? Yeah. Who's I, I guess it'd probably be main event. Who's shooting up who? There it is. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Can you this is great stuff, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're doing great. Yeah. Party all the time. Go ahead, Heidi. I want you to sing along with Eddie Murphy right now. Let me hear you. Hit the high notes, girl. Uh, Eddie Murphy version. I don't know if that's safe for radio. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't raw now, you know. <laughs> I haven't heard this song in, in eons. There you go. We gotta we gotta get to party all the time. Heidi, hit this high note. And we know that Eddie can't sing. Look at this, she's got it. All right, Eddie, go ahead and hit it. Party all the time, party all the time. <laughs> I, I thought he did a better job when he was in the cell and doing Roxanne. So. Oh, yeah. Roxanne was good. You're right. He did do a good job with that. That was acapella. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Heidi Fang, again, you don't get a chance to to show off your chops and your vocals with Adam Hill and those other Hammonagers at the uh, RJ. Come on. Hammonagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Adam's yeah. not. Adam, we know he's not a pencil neck geek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that went right over Heidi's head. Yeah, it went right over her head. That's, a, that's an old wrestling. Classy Fre- Freddie Blassie. Blassie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, old WWF days. Pencil net geek. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. So we didn't have that kind of money. I had to watch it on VHS after my cousins taped it. And so, you know, I got mostly the demonstrations of that stuff, like clothesline, you know, look at Ravishing Rick Rude did last week. Heidi, stand over there. That was my role in the WWF series of life. You never got a chance to to see the vintage Piper Pitts live? Are you kidding me? The greatest talk show host of all time? Yeah, I know. I had to start watching it later. And, you know, of course, when The Rock and China and Triple H, all those people came around, like, that's when I started kind of following uh, WWE. Plus, at the time, I was working for NBC in San Francisco, San Jose, and they had uh, box suites. And so every now and then, if there were no clients to take, they would raffle out the tickets. And I always had my name in the hat, so I got to go sometimes and watch some of the greatest era of wrestling uh, in the, I would say, in the recent era of wrestling. Because, you know, back in the day, Andre the Giant and all those guys, like, they, yeah. they were amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's amazing yeah. to me, too, that you just mentioned China because I don't know why, but it popped in my head. So she went from Triple H to Flava Flav. <laughs> hey, have you ever seen Flavor of Love? He's a polarizing figure, man. Las Vegas native. Local local now, not native. He's right. local now. I almost right. hit him at the Vaughn parking lot once. He's running out of the store, just like full sprint running, coming out the door. And I was like, Arr! and then I looked and I was like, oh, my God, I almost hit Flavor Flav. Do you know he had, I don't know if he still has or not, but I, I went to this place going back, oh, I don't know, about eight months ago. Where I don't know if he was the the then owner of a pizza place there on Water Street in Henderson. Do you guys know that? Oh no, I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, yeah, that was t- it's funny you say Water Street. I was there today. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, you were at the courthouse. Wait, we paying some funds. And no, I doing? had to hit up Juan's Flame and Fajitas. No way. That's where I'm going tomorrow. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Lindo tonight, baby. Juan's tomorrow. There it is. Oh, you're one of these. You're one of these that go for lunch at Juan's because you don't want to have to wheel and deal with the crowds. You're a luncher. Is that the dealio? See, I was I was doing the hockey thing over at the Silver Knights, and it's just so tempting. It's right there on the corner. You can't. So I had to go. 
I had to go. All right. How come I didn't see a Facebook uh, photo pic? You, you, you got to match me on the on the photo. Not picks, everybody the posts every time they go out I, to eat. Well, now I got to forget the rest <laughs> of this interview. We're talking food. Heidi, what did you have at once today? Well, I had the shrimp fajitas with some queso fundido, mm. and I ordered me a side of chips. Extra sided chips extra to go side. with that fondito. What do you uh-huh. mean the extra side? They, the... they give you plenty right there and there. Oh, you, you know, come on. Well, on the to-go bag, you get like a brown bag. So it's like in a little lunch bag like that you take to school. And I was like, I don't know. I, I looked at it and I looked at the queso and I was like, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be enough. I need a bigger boat. So they put <laughs> more in there for me. Okay, I'm going to tell you what you get next time if you haven't had it already, okay? They have the best albandigas soup. And if you're a fan oh, of the, the Albon, uh, you can't beat the Albon, you guys, the, the spicy uh, vegetable meatball soup. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. it, it's the best. So there you go. That's what you got to get. That's why I'm going tomorrow on these chilly you know, nights so I can have some soup. There Take a go. picture and, and make sure you tag me. Shocker. <laughs> why is it done? Why done. is it that some sort of meatball is so frequently in your, in your repertoire? <laughs> I can't help it. The guy gave us free meatballs yesterday. We went to a barbecue joint, and the guy said, hey, have some meatballs. Like, hey, we didn't order hey, any meatballs. Chef just made some meatballs. I have one. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Think Frank ate it? Heck no. He's not taking any meatballs. Mm-hmm. This is gonna, Heidi, this is the pickiest eater. I mean, he's known along uh, all the stations as being the pickiest eater of all time. What are you going to do? I'm just going to get like, wow, how, how, how? You have to be able to get the albondigas on. Come on, Frank. There you go. Yeah, we're that gonna ain't happening. We're going to pick you up. We're going to get you up there. And then we're going to turn you into, you know, the Mexican-style kind of meatball soup, and you're never going to turn back. You're going to be like, how did I have this, like, out of my life this entire time? You're just going to be amazed. Well, you're I, at- I, don't, I don't need to do the Mexican soups. I'm a little uh, little bit big for uh, Libra Luce, so uh, I think I'm just going to Lucha with- Libre. Get it right there, <laughs> just Mills Mascaris. <laughs> just, just sticking with my Coca-Cola. Listen, so here's the checkbox for Frank, okay? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, meatballs, well, no, don't like that. Uh, vegetables, don't like that. Oh, a little, little spice. Spicy broth, uh, don't like that. All he can have is the bowl. There's, there's nothing there. It's like last time I went to Chronic Taco, I brought him back a taco. I said, "What do you want on the taco?" He goes, "Nothing." I go, well, "What do you mean nothing? No, you, what, you don't want the, you don't want the pico, okay? You don't want the lettuce? I understand that. No, no cheese, nothing. Just bring me back the meat. That's what he says to me, Heidi. What am I gonna do? <laughs> I, I believe I, I said double you. meat. He said double meat. That's right. <laughs> Get rid of all that other garbage and give me double meat. You know, Frank's got his own menu item, uh, you know, because now he's a regular at Freddy's, a great sponsor of the show. So when I go to the drive-thru, I said, yeah, give me give me the triple just meat and cheese only. go, oh, the ballpark Frank special? I go, exactly. Yeah, with the chocolate shake because he, he won't have the Pepsi because, you know, that's another story itself. He ain't doing that. He's no. a Pepsi hater, so he can't have that. So he has to have the the. Large chocolate shake, of course, without the whipped cream and cherry. Which, again, he's missing all the great stuff in life, Heidi. Hey, I may not know what's good, but I know what I like. Get off my back. <laughs> but have you tried it, though? Have, have you tried? That's all I want to know. There's a lot of things it. in life I don't need to try to know I don't like them. Everybody always picking on me. I just know. I know me. All right, guys, we went 13 minutes talking nothing but food, music, and some bad, uh, some bad Eddie Murphy songs. There you go. All right, thanks for joining us, Heidi. Catch you later. But that's a misnomer. <laughs> bad Eddie Murphy songs. That would, that, that would give the indication that there was a good Eddie Murphy song. Yeah, so that's true. We just covered Eddie Murphy songs. That's right. End of statement. <laughs>
Heidi 257. You called that Dustin Poirier defeats Conor McGregor, the highly anticipated rematch. Uh, you were all over it. Uh, very nicely done there. Give me your thoughts as you were watching that thing unfold. Yeah, first of all, I gotta say thank you for crediting me that one on Dustin Poirier because the rest of my picks weren't that great. And I wasn't start. gonna go there, but since you brought it up, she's like one for nine. Hey, people only real. remember the main event. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you know what? I got Poirier. I picked Poirier because not only is he great at picking apart other opponents that he's faced, but he's just been on a roll lately. And I think a lot of people after the McGregor loss were starting to say that they felt like inactivity on McGregor's end was part of the reason why. And another reason being that he hasn't really gone out to evolve himself beyond the camp that he's worked with, which is SBG in Ireland. And a lot of people say at certain times you outgrow the camp that you've been with, that you started with. And it's great that you had them there for the foundation that you did have, but you need sometimes to look outside, get new training partners, other people to help diversify your skill set. And that's something that uh, in the sport of MMA that a lot of fighters uh, look past that they don't continue to do is to continue to grow. They get really great at one thing and they don't continue to evolve with the sport. Ronda Rousey is a prime example. She was great at judo. She was great at arm bars. But once people figured that out, her striking was widely exposed as, wow, this, she doesn't have the, the posture. She doesn't have the head movement. She keeps herself right on the line. She doesn't, you know, dodge left, right. So she's just a, a, a target and she pursues right after whoever it is that she's fighting and she never relented. She would always just keep pushing forward when she sort of sat back at times or circled left or right or something, you know? So that's something that you've seen, I think with Conor McGregor now, it's not that he's, um, old or past his prime or any of that. I think for Conor, the best thing for him to do would be to get new training partners, step out of his comfort zone, get involved with another, maybe not another camp, but at least other coaches bring them into the camp if that's where you're comfortable and and try to have new looks at different things like wrestling and grappling and learning how to, you know, properly check a kick because like Dustin said, they realized from tape that the, the way that he was checking kicks wasn't going to be advantageous to him. So they figured, hey, we just chopped down the cherry tree the whole time and we're going to be able to take him down once we uh, get that leg fully tenderized. So that was what they used as a point of attack after looking up tape. And credit to Mike Brown, who's a former WEC fighter that was in Dustin's corner that's helped bring him along this entire way because Mike Brown, man, he has just been fantastic when it comes to picking the accurate game plan to be able to get wins for his guys. And that's something that we've seen over the past few years and including people like Amanda Nunes who trains over there at American top team. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that I think Dustin's really come a long way in his progress by getting out of his comfort zone and finding new ways to attack and, and become a better fighter. You know, after McGregor was knocked out uh, in the interview immediately, he blamed inactivity. So I got to be more active, you know? So, you know, what is his future and we talked about it last week about, okay, he's going to have some rust. What's going to be the situation? I don't know if that was it or, again, maybe we've seen the best of Conor McGregor. It's, it's in the rearview mirror. Maybe Poi is just, again, better than him at this point in time. But uh, give me your thoughts when you heard him just blame the inactivity because if you remember two days earlier, he's talking about, I want, what, seven or eight fights in the next year and a half. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, they're definitely an activity because it's not just being an active for 12 months or 18 months or two years or, you know, it's what you're doing in the time that you're inactive. You know, he's out there selling whiskey. He's a proprietor of his own company and being this big figure out there and doing all these different things with that company. And so his focus, I feel like, got away from who he was when he was coming up. Just this kid out of Ireland that was basically on welfare and trying to make a name for himself and was hungry. So it's like sometimes you so quickly accomplish everything that you set out as your goal. And it's not that he's become complacent, but he's become comfortable. So it's like, okay, are you thinking about fighting 24-7 in that 12-month span like you were back, you know, 13 years ago or so when you were just coming out? So those are things that I think have changed for McGregor. So now he needs to really focus in on what is it that I'm hungry for? Am I trying to get a title because I've accomplished that? Am I trying to get a title at welterweight? You know, that's maybe a third title would be something that would spark that fire back under him. But uh, by all means, he, he's a, a top-notch competitor. I mean, you look at some of the fights that he's lost, they've been to top guys in the UFC, so they're not to slouches. But I, I think that would be the next best thing for him is to get on board with uh, one of the fights that, uh, not necessarily a tune-up fight, but somewhere outside of the top 15 that would be a good matchup, a fun fight. A lot of people are clamoring for a third fight, fight with Nate Diaz, and Nate Diaz is still a very high top-level talent, don't get me wrong, but um, I think that would be a good one for him if he wants to continue to uh, build his name and and try to make his way back. I mean, that's another risk, though, because Nate Diaz, a lot of people will say, won the second fight, Um against him, the one that Connor had the decision. And so I think that that is uh, not just an easy walk in the park, but it would be intriguing. That could be next. Or a lot of people were also saying um, maybe Michael Chandler, who had a huge knockout uh, in the in the card this past weekend, maybe that would be a fun fight uh, for Connor to get into because those two would probably go toe-to-toe. But there's a lot of fun fights that you can make with Connor McGregor. There's no uh, shortcomings uh, of opponents in the 155 division if that's where he wants to stay. When you're talking about Connor, and I thought it was an interesting when you said, you know, his hunger level and that sort of stuff, because it did come to him so fast and it came so natural to him, kind of like John Jones when he just picked it up and became one of the greatest fighters ever. But one of the things that I think Poirier had going into that fight was because he does train at a top gym and he checks his ego and he brings in guys that are better in jiu-jitsu or better in leg kicks or something else because the old adage of steel sharpens steel. Does McGregor's attitude and his ego and everything, will he allow himself to not be the king in the gym and go to someplace else and bring in people better than him to get the work on the other things that he needs? Because as great as he is, Everybody has deficiencies, like you mentioned, and Conor McGregor is no exception there. Yeah, that's a great question, Frank, and I think that you really have to start thinking about what does he want out of the next – he's 32 years old. So at this point, you have to start wondering how much longer is his fight career. Like I said earlier, you know, he's been fighting from the early 2000s. So it's like you know, how much longer can you sustain this kind of activity as you start to age and, you know, your body's not doing the same things or moving as fast as it used to. But I, I would think that, you know, he would still be uh, wise enough to bring in other talent around him. Well, 
you know, I don't know if they would be better than him, so to speak, but I know that he is needed. If he had a goal in mind, like, I want to become a three-division champ, I'm going to go after a welterweight belt, I would think that he would bring in the right people to help him work around the disadvantages of being a smaller guy in the end of that division and how he would bring himself up with working on wrestling and jujitsu because a lot of people nickname him Mick Tapper and that's not something that you want to follow you around. That's why I thought in the main event we were going to see a submission from Poirier. I did not think he was going to finish him with strikes, but that was still, it was really quite something to see. It was just exciting overall, the whole fight. I I was like, what? (laughs) When I watched it, even though I thought that was going to be the result. (laughs) She is Heidi Fang, Las Vegas Review Journal, and we're talking UFC 257. You know, I am really regretting, you know, texting you um, during that night. You understand that, right? Uh, I do understand that. Yeah. (laughs) Because like she said, she hit the main event, but, you know, not so much uh, before that. And, of (laughs) course, her and Matthew Holt, you both get equal blame, but it's ultimately my fault because I went to the window, you know, uh, not only trusting you guys, but it's my fault because I pulled the trigger. But you like Dan Hooker. Matthew Holt loved Dan Hooker. Best bet of the century for him. And... I couldn't even get, finish my popcorn before this thing was over. Heidi, what happened? You you mentioned Michael Chandler. I mean, outstanding uh, performance by him, but uh, I don't know what to say. Yeah, you know, in Bellator, you start to see a guy like Chandler go through a lot of wars. What he's done in Bellator has been good. He was obviously a champion out there, but you, you start thinking, okay, can he rise to the level of talent that's in the UFC? I didn't think that he could, and especially not somebody like Hooker, who had a really strong striking background, and he had a height and length advantage on him. So I'm thinking, okay, there's no way that he's going to be able to work his way inside as easily without having to come head first. And Hooker's is going to counter him with a big strike. And, you know, uh, Chandler's been more known for his wrestling than anything else. So I figured the worst that could happen is Chandler takes him down and grounds and pounds him out. But I thought if it stayed, you know, which obviously all fights in the UFC or MMA or anywhere else start on the feet. So it, it, you think, okay, this is where he's going to have the advantage. And, uh, yeah, he looks like he was sleepwalking out there. It just—he's been a kind of a slow starter, but it just looks like hello, McFly. I don't know if anybody's home. Well, well, ma- well listen, Matt. Matt thought that there was something really off with him. Like maybe there was a, yeah. a pre-existing injury or something like that. Because again, just the ring walk, and then he, when he when he came in, he started slow, like you said. It's like this doesn't doesn't look like he doesn't look right whatsoever. And then again, Chandler looked like a maniac on the other side. And I know when we were with the Cosmopolitan, looked like watching, the Tasmanian devil out there. Yeah. It was, he was like, just okay, like, hell uh, bent. This, I'm getting this over. Yeah, that's what it looked like, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So, I don't. Do you think there was an injury there that we didn't know about? Yeah, I, I just I don't know what happened with him. Uh, maybe he had a bad weight cut that we weren't aware of, because that is sometimes the case with a lot of these fighters that cut a whole ton of weight before a fight. You know, sometimes they're cutting upwards of twenty to five to thirty pounds. So. Um, it could have been something there, uh, just a couple of days before the fight that wasn't like necessarily a long-term hardcore injury. But yeah, I definitely thought this was going to be a fight for Hooker and that Chandler was going to come into the UC, um, like we've seen other fighters from other organizations come in and not have the high success rate against a top competitor right away. So yeah, I, I just don't know if he's, uh, going to be able to bounce back. I don't know what happened there. I was really kind of surprised by Hooker's performance. So, 
I figured, you know, a three-round fight, it, it would be, I, I know Hooker's a little bit of a slow starter, but I didn't think it would be that slow. So it, it's, <laughs> it, we, I, he he was taking you know strikes right off the bat, and then he wasn't countering at all. And I'm like, what is happening here? So uh, yeah, that was a tough one because I thought he was a lock as well. Uh, again, you, you you learn just never involve anything with money with a hooker. I mean, plain and simple. You just got to stay away from that. I, I still want to know why I haven't seen my headline right at that night. The guys that I was with, Armando was one of them, Heidi, and I said, I I want to see this on a website tomorrow after that fight. Why didn't somebody put down Hooker Goes Down? Are you crazy? <laughs> well, it's because you're with Armando Vasquez. Yeah. You know, he's a... <laughs> it still says you cheated and that you got lucky in cornhole, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it, what, what's next for Poye? Is, is it Chandler? What's the best fight, real quick? Okay. Oh, uh, man. I like Chandler fight, but even more than that, I like Charles Oliveira. I think Charles Oliveira has earned it, and he has had uh, just as good a streak lately as Poirier as far as wins go, and I think that the, the two of them together for a vacant lightweight title, that should be what happens. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to our on-the-spot reporter. There she is, Miss MMA UFC. It's Heidi Fang. Uh, the news actually came out yesterday, but Heidi's going to break it down to us right now. Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Are you kidding me? April 17th? What's going on here, Heidi Fang? Styles League fights. Uh, you know, you got the wrestler in Ben Askren. Obviously, we've seen him on the raw side of a big knockout by Masvidal. Um, that always comes to mind when you hear the name Ben Askren for a lot of people. And uh, you have to wonder how much uh, strikes like that, you know, from Paul, it, he could sustain on the feet. So uh, he, he's not the best striker at MMA, but he's not the worst. But you make a mistake against a guy that's been training in boxing as hardcore as Jake Paul's been, it could be a very interesting night. So, yeah, I, I think uh, you want a quick analysis there. I think Ben Askren has to take him down and, and get the fight to the ground on the canvas and make a real dirty uh ugly kind of, you know, clinch fight for him to be able to, uh, yeah, to win that one. So that's how I would see it. Is is this an MMA fight or a boxing match? Because I thought that well, maybe that was one of the reasons that Paul was taking it because he's going to kind of force it. Yeah, yeah it, it's boxing. So I don't think he can take him to the ground in this. So that's why oh, I thought it was interesting. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, that's what I read. I was reading. I'm sorry. I thought they had agreed to MMA terms. So, yeah, no. Okay, boxing, yeah, flip the script. And uh, Askren's going to have to train and sharpen up those mitts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, and, and this, is on, this is on April 17th. Shouldn't it be on April 1st? <laughs> wow yeah no i mean yeah i i'm a little surprised that you know ben Askren would agree to it but he's not you know by it's, any it's means it's the biggest payday he's gonna make in his career striker. yeah he's gonna make he said yeah. he's making more money from this than any mma fight so uh, that's why he agreed to it sure mm, there, Go out there make some money all right, Heidi Fang, you can catch her. She's a great follow on Twitter. She's actually scrolling on Twitter right now, aren't you? You're a multitasker. You're scrolling while you're doing the interviews. It's true. <laughs> Look at this. I've got eyes I everywhere. Just, um, we have cameras on you, girl. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And here we go. We're going over to the Crystal Palace skating rink right now. There we go. It's roll. It's bounce. Let's rock. Let's skate. Heidi Fang, how are you in the eight wheels? Talk to me, girl. <laughs> it's been a long time. I haven't done I'm skating since like 1987, but we used to go like every Thursday. The family, it was like family skate night, and I miss that. I miss good old fashioned fun, like 
you know, golf and stuff in Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid. <laughs> so are you better on wheels or blades? And oh, wheels. Wheels? Yeah, definitely. Wheels okay. was my generation. All right, wood or ice? Mmm, wood. Yeah, yeah. I got to agree. What about you, Frank? I'm better watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl, we'll let you go. Tell the peeps how they can follow you because I know you've got videos galore going on on the RJ website. Go ahead, pump away. Yeah, my latest stuff is on VegasNation.com. I've been doing some off-season Raider series stuff there as well as on uh, Twitter, at Heidi Fang. There it is. All right, we will see you soon. Are you going to be in attendance uh, tomorrow evening, Golden Knights, or where are we going to see you again? Yeah, well, I'm going to be covering Golden Knights, but I think virtually because, you know, uh, it's a little difficult to do much visually from where we were. <laughs> Frank and I were there last night. We missed you, and we said the exact same thing. We said, "Come on, how do you how do you take pictures from this angle? Aren't we it's terrible? Too hard. I know. Coming soon to a stadium or practice facility near you to be followed by an eatery near that location. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, girl, we'll let you go. Appreciate the time as always. Let's talk real soon. Let's talk next week. We'll get a Heidi Fang Super Bowl prediction. How's that? Well, fun times. Let's do that. All right. Talk to you later. Take care, guys. There he is. Thanks for having me. Heidi Fang, bringing it strong from the roller skating rink to the musical awareness. And, and now you've told her Football. a new soup to try. Yeah. Oh, you got to have that soup. See, she's a foodie. I like this girl. She's a foodie. She's going to be posting food pictures. Got to love it. And Nubchuck's got his second follower. What do you think about that? That's good. Whoa. <laughs> he just doubled his following. There you go. <laughs> when we come back, Scott Spritzer will join us. We'll talk a little Super Bowl preview, plus some, maybe some NBA, some college basketball. Don't you dare go anywhere. Roll bounce. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth, the oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up, get up, get on up, stay on the scene. Get on up. You know, for a couple rockers in this studio, a couple Chicago boy rockers. You guys start bobbing your head when you, when you start hearing my jams. I got it. I'm impressed. You I'm saying. Yeah, both of you got well. Yeah, you get a little head bob, but Nupchuck's really turned into a head bobber and a jammer. He's feel he's feeling the beat here in the studio, feeling the love of this show, like only you can feel. And I saw when Heidi Fang oh, was doing her to, thing. You're trying to convert him. I know that. Yeah. You know, you got him playing sound bites he shouldn't be playing, rooting for teams he shouldn't be rooting for. Now you're trying to change his whole musical genre. He's even wearing a, a shirt without profanity on it today. <laughs> here you go, Frank. Go, Pat, go! You are such a sellout. Go, Bears! You're so phony. So phony. Uh, you know, you're, you're like Monopoly money. You're just phony. All right. <laughs> a guy who's not phony, and he plays with not Monopoly money. You like that segue? There he is. Scott Spritzer, our guy, Doc Sports. What's going on, my friend? Yeah, not any Monopoly, but a little Candyland once in a while. Candyland? Are you a Candyland guy? Really? <laughs> That's funny because Cartwright, you guys, I shouldn't, well, I don't know if I, should, should I save it for you for tomorrow or what? What is it? The greatest board game of it all time? It is the greatest board game of all time. That's what he's got. So Scott Spritzer, let's get your, your vote. Uh, greatest board game of all time, according, uh, we'll pass your vote on to uh, Bill Cartwright. 
Well, you know, I mean, Candyland, because I, I had my kid growing up that I played with about 100 times a day. Um, yeah, I guess Candyland followed closely. If this was a board game, I'm not sure. But Yahtzee would have to be up there for me, too. Yeah. Yahtzee's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, not really a board game, though, I guess, right? No, I, th- I, yeah. I, I think, yeah, no, that, that qualifies. Why not? Because, again, it's. I think any of those games that you know you play with family, kids, or whatever, I mean, it, why, why isn't it a board game? Okay, there you go. Candyland and Yahtzee. Okay, there it is. Done. <laughs> All right. Scott, we got breaking news. Here we go. Super Bowl 55. The Buccaneers will be playing, as we know, in their home stadium. They're going to be wearing the white jerseys. The Chiefs are going to wear red. Chiefs won in red last year. Now, this is news. Now, if you're an old school guy and a historian like I am, Scott, I know you'll appreciate this, right? You know, there is a method to the madness here that what uniforms that the teams wear is always predetermined, all right? And it goes back to Super Bowl One when the NFC wore the home uniforms, and then the following year it was AFC, and that was the, the thing. It, was, it would alternate every other year. So if we do the math correctly, every time there is a odd year, Okay, the NFC wears the home uniforms of the dark color. So for the first time ever, they're going to mess this thing up here. I'm, I'm wondering who's making this call here, Scott Spritzer. I, I'm all about tradition. I think they just got to keep going the way it is. Right. If you're going to schedule, which you have to, if you're going to schedule a Super Bowl to be played at a team stadium, you take the chance of a home team playing in their home stadium, and it's only it's one every 55 years, so it's not like it's all of a sudden a big deal uh, to be played in your home stadium. I, I don't know, does this mean Tampa Bay, even though they're listed on the bottom in this game, uh, like a home team, does this mean that Tampa Bay is going to be in the visiting locker rooms, or are they going to be in their home locker rooms that they're familiar with? Yeah, I, I was thinking or wondering that same thing yesterday. But again, it's just like, and I know that uh, talking to our good friend, you know, you know, Curtis uh, from Freddy's, diehard Chiefs fan, he was saying, he goes, yeah, you know, the Chiefs. You know, last week he was saying, you know, Chiefs win. He goes, they're going to be wearing, uh, you know, they'll be wearing the uh, w- the white, um, and now they're going to be wearing the red. They're they're messing this thing up here. I don't yeah, understand. I, well, plus, I don't like but, it. And plus, you know what? The NFL hands out the tickets, so it's not like it's going to be, you know. And, and it's going to be a limited crowd. So it's not like a normal situation where there would be, you know, 55,000 Buccaneer fans gobbling up the tickets in that 70,000-seat stadium or whatever it is. It's going to be limited tickets. It's going to be split down the middle. And I wouldn't be shocked if there's more KC fans that show up and buy some of those tickets off of Tampa Bay people and outdraw Tampa Bay, even though yep. it's a limited crowd by a little bit. So, you know, I, I don't put a lot into it. You know, I mean, I guess maybe we should, but I think – Again, I always say to people, when you find an injury, a big injury to a team, basketball, baseball, football, whatever, you find a big injury or two, or you find maybe a cluster of injuries to a certain group of players in football, uh, home field advantage, it's already baked in the line. The oddsmaker is not dumb. They've already baked it into the number, and you go from there. So to me, it really doesn't mean anything that Tampa Bay is playing at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, you know, it's already been baked into the line. Yeah, I agree. And again, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, who cares what color uniform they're?" That's got really nothing to do like with the game itself, as far as you know the 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 line. Where for me, it's just like you said, Scott. It's a tradition thing here. Yep. And again, I'm still I'm still uh, upset and haven't got over you know that the NHL 
you know, changed their thing, you know, years ago, the home team wearing white. Same thing with the NBA. I mean, to see the Boston Celtics not wear white at home, to see them wear green sometimes or black or these alternative jerseys, that stuff just drives me crazy. Call me old, call me whatever. But the bottom line is uh, Super Bowl predetermined. It's been that way, like I said, for 55 years. I'm So I'm more curious on how this comes about. Like who decides, hey, uh, we're going to wear the white jersey I mean, is that who who decided this? That's what I that, want to know. I don't yeah, know, but I'm, it, but I'm it's glad fun. you brought it up. It's That's fun. what I want to know. I want to know why it was decided. Why after 54 years in the 55th year you decide to change things up? Listen, I'm a you know me. I'm a traditionalist type yeah. of guy. The only yeah. thing that I changed my mind on over the years is I hate the sack bunt in Major League Baseball or any level of baseball. But other than that, you know, I grew up in Nebraska. We had one thing. Well, we had two sports. We had. Uh, college football season, and then we had spring football. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) And so, but when I see this team come out in black uniforms, I'm like, can we stop? It's red jerseys and white pants. It's not red on red. It's not black on black. It's not black on white. And when I go to a UNLV game, there's maybe not a lot of winning tradition there. I don't want to see black helmets and black jerseys and black. You're red and silver. Go with tradition. So, yeah, I'm I'm a traditionalist, too. It doesn't matter the handicap of this game, like you said, but I want to know why. I just want to know why and who changed it. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to the NBA, I turn on games sometimes and don't even know who's playing until I get see the ticker or something. No, it's true. The, the, yeah. the uniforms and jerseys yeah. they're wearing. But when it comes to Tampa Bay, haven't they won like eight games in a row on the road? Wouldn't they almost be more comfortable wearing the road jersey? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it's like they're gonna you know lose a. I mean, they've got a, their good luck charm back, right? Yeah, the, the, they're, they're their winning white. jersey is the road one. <laughs> exactly. Listen, I know one thing. I know one person who couldn't care less, and that that's Tom Brady. He just did the game, and now he's going to look at how to beat Kansas City. But, uh, no, it's a weird situation. I hate when traditions are broken. I'm like UTC and like you, Frank. I, I don't like seeing too much newfangled stuff. Hey, man, I'm having a hard enough time. It's only been three or four years now that we've had the VGK, and I'm having a hard enough time going with these gold unis. And I especially don't want to see the red unis coming up in a couple of weeks in Tahoe. That's right. That's right. All right, Scott, let's talk about uh, a, a quick uh, recap from the uh, championship weekend, AFC, NFC, and uh, g- give me some quick thoughts on what you saw, what, what your eyes saw, because we haven't talked to you since then. Yeah, I went ahead. You know, I took KC last week over Buffalo, and the main reason was is I didn't like the Buffalo defense. Plus, if I can get a guy like Mahomes against a quarterback that who's never been there before, uh, that's a plus for me. That adds a point to it. I liked the coaching advantage, even though I'm a big Bills uh, coaching fan as far as their entire staff. It was a situation where I put a point in the mix for Andy Reid and Bienemy and his staff. So for me, I went with Kansas City, and also it was a situation where Buffalo had been outgained by 75 yards by Indy in the wild card round. They'd been outgained by, I don't know what it was, 120 against Baltimore. And really, they went up against Lamar Jackson, who hasn't matured as a passer in big games. They went up against Phillip Rivers, who literally runs the ball one time per game. So they knew they were going to get a statuesque Phillip Rivers. And then all of a sudden, you got to go with an imaginative offense with a great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. The only reason I waited so late to get involved was to see what was going to happen with that concussion protocol. So everything went as I thought in that game. As far as the NFC was concerned, I did like the over, but I also thought Green Bay would come through in that game, guys. And really, 
you know, I, I thought it was a situation where Tampa Bay, which was kind of gifted a game in their previous game uh, in the playoffs, was going to go up against a team that wouldn't do that. And then it was funny. I was texting back and forth with a couple of other cappers throughout the NFC Championship. One of those guys is a good friend of ours, Dave Koken. And we were texting back and forth all game long. And I said, you know, I go, and it was like midway through the first quarter. In fact, Adam Joseph from OV was part of the texting. And it was midway through the first quarter. And I said, boy, I'm telling you what, right now, it looks like uh, LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, the coach of Green Bay, is in over his head. He's throwing tantrums five minutes into the game, and he looked lost. He looked like his mind was somewhere else instead of being focused on what had to be done. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, let's admit it, he blamed sort of the coaching staff for saying, well, if I would have known we weren't going to go for the touchdown on fourth down and kick a field goal, I would have done something different. Well, you also had a wide open lane to get to at least the two-yard line if there not you barrel go. your way into the end zone, yep. and you chose to throw a pass on third down into coverage, and it fell incomplete. So I thought, you know, Rodgers made mistakes throughout the course of the game. That was different than I thought it would turn out to be because I didn't know what, what LaFleur was going to bring. I didn't think he would melt down like he did on the sideline, but I thought we would have seen a better game out of Aaron Rodgers in, cl- in the clutch. Yep, no doubt. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports, joined us. All right, Super Bowl early action, and we'll uh, really start to handicap this uh, next week. But uh, just give me some some early thoughts as you look at uh, the line here, and where do you think the money is at so far? Yeah, folks want to you know bet it right now. If they like Tampa Bay, you can find three and a half out there and take those points. And if you like KC, there are you know more threes than there are three and a halfs. So you have to lay a little juice in most of those books, but still. You know, you can shop around and get the better of the line no matter who you like there. As far as the, the betting is concerned, so far we've seen, you know, over 60% of the tickets at the books that I deal with that have had Kansas City and over 60% of the money that's on Kansas City in this. But interestingly enough, when the line first opened, that's the way it was. I mean, it was Kansas City tickets, Kansas City money by a long shot, but the line had moved down originally from three and a half to three which has to tell us that very respected money came in on Tampa Bay. So although the majority of tickets and money came in on KC, the line moved down because, again, that money that the books really truly care about from betters they respect the most was coming in on Tampa Bay, the underdog. So I did think that was interesting because the first night of betting when this line came out, I mean, we saw like 75% of the money coming in on KC, yet that number moved down. So it's telling you that it is so far at least a sharps, versus public football game uh, in which the sharper people are on Tampa Bay, the public on KC. Normally I would have jumped in by now, but due to COVID and who's going to be affected, hopefully nobody will be, but will there be a couple of key players on a team that is affected by COVID? I just decided it was smart to do what I've done all season long, which is wait. And that's what I've done so far on this side is wait, because I just just got to wait and see if anybody's going to be affected by uh, the coronavirus and then make a move. And again, hopefully neither team will be affected by it. And as far as the total right now, with everybody playing that we know is going to be playing, I have a slight lean towards the under, and that has a lot to do with Kansas City's offensive line issues. They've you know, obviously lost Fisher last week at left tackle, but they had already been missing their right tackle. They already had to make shifts along the offensive line to make up for losing their right tackle. And now they're going to have to make a few shifts again up front because they've lost both of their tackles. And you're going to have, in all likelihood, you're going to have two reserves at the tackle positions plus one at guard when you start moving that offensive line around. So i got to decide – 
if the depth up front for KC is enough to make me forget about the fact that Fisher is gone, that the right tackle is gone, and that they can move on without much trouble. Scott, certainly we've had uh, some great quarterbacking, at least great quarterback names in the end of the playoffs in the final four of four of the best, uh, you know, three probable Hall of Famers, assuming that Mahomes continues on his career. Is this game a potential passing of the torch type of game because Tom Brady is the GOAT and, and Mahomes is there? Or is Brady just saying, uh, the crown is still mine, young man. Uh, you can still wait a, a while before you go uh, wearing it. Yeah, I mean, just watching the competitive nature of Tom Brady – and the fact that now he's now, now that he's got some decent skill people around him, unlike last year in New England, I think Tom Brady's like, you know, heck with that. I ain't passing no torch to anybody. I ain't ready to call it quits. You know, that's the feeling I get out of Brady. Um, as far as from a fan perspective, I mean, if Kansas City beats this team in an impressive manner, Patrick Mahomes has a great game, Tom Brady not so much, then it might be coming down to a, you know, an Andre the Giant, a Hulk Hogan type of deal. It might be a passing of the torch at the top of the food chain. But again, I just keep watching Brady, and he's making passes, you know, like he did before New England's receiving core was depleted over the last couple of years. And he does have great receivers around him. You know, I saw a couple of write-ups in the last couple of days with people who were on KC, and that's fine, whatever team you like. But they were talking about, they actually said that Tom Brady was horrible last week for the most part. He threw three picks. And I'm like, well, Obviously, to me, that person didn't watch the game because <laughs> saying three interceptions does not tell you the context of how those picks came about. I thought Brady was almost phenomenal last week. Yeah, no doubt. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports, joined us talking a little early Super Bowl action. Scott, let's uh, change gears a little bit here. And uh, we got NBA and college basketball here on a nightly basis. And we start looking a little bit closer now at college basketball uh, and the NBA because, again, football season pretty much you know wrapped up. Uh, who are you liking tonight uh, on the college side? Well, I'm going to knock on wood for a second here because I'm having my best college basketball season in about four or five years. And uh, we cashed again last night when it looked like I was going to lose a top play on LSU. They were down 66-60 to A&M, and LSU closes the game on an 18 to nothing run, wins by 12, covers the five. It's been one of those seasons thus far. So, again, I am knocking on wood if you can hear it in the background. Nice. But, um, yeah, tonight, you know, NC State's in a real good spot. I like them first half. And if they're playing well, might jump in on the second half tonight. The play that I like a little bit more than that is the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. And I like a good top 25 basketball team that prides themselves on its defensive play and then says in the previous game, a loss, which was to Ohio State, comes out and says they didn't set the tone defensively and they need to adjust that and get refocused. That's what Greg Gard said, the coach of the Badgers. So I'm looking at this team, seventh in adjusted efficiency defense, 31st defending the two-pointer out of 300-plus teams. And I think they'll be able to get the job done tonight against Maryland, who's coming off a big road win against Minnesota. Not an easy place to play, the Barn-Williams Arena. And uh, finally, just wanted to mention that when you talk about Wisconsin, uh, they do take care of the basketball, second-best offensive turnover percentage in the entire nation. They also hit the three. And they're not as bad as people want to make them out to be on offense. It's not all defense. They have the seventh best adjusted efficiency defense, as I mentioned, 31st defending the two-pointer, but they're 26th in adjusted efficiency offense. So they fit metrics on both sides of the court, 
and I think they catch Maryland off that big win over Minnesota, and I think uh, Wisconsin ends up winning this game. Line's three and a half. I saw a couple threes out there in Vegas. Yeah, I watched uh, that entire game of uh, Wisconsin-Ohio State over the weekend, and uh, Ohio State just jumped on them uh, from the onset and shot an incredible uh, percentage from three, and again, it didn't matter what uh, Wisconsin you know, did defensively. Uh, Ohio State was just too much. And the uh, Buckeyes back in action uh, as well tonight. But I do want to talk to you real quick about UNLV and Utah State. UNLV was a six-and-a-half-point underdog. They won the game outright, got real sloppy at the end on Monday night. But tonight uh, they're getting seven again. Uh, and the way Utah State played in this game, Scott, uh, was very uninspiring. And uh, as young as UNLV is, UNLV was just more athletic than Utah State, and I, I don't know if uh, if Utah State has two bad games in a row, a loss to Colorado State and a loss to UNLV. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of tempted to take the Rebels plus seven again. Yeah, it is. T- I passed the game altogether, and the first thing I did was look to try to you know find reasons enough to take Utah State in quick revenge. Couldn't find enough. You know, I'm like, you yeah, I just couldn't find enough. Listen, I know they had a miserable night shooting threes while UNLV shot 13 of 30 the other night from the three-point line. Uh, but again, listen, I'm a fan of Coach TJ, and that goes back to when he was first hired. I heard a lot of people going, you know, who's this guy that really only followed the sport casually? But I said, you know what, we give this guy a few years, I think he can do some things. And, and in this particular game, I would lean towards taking the points. I think it's too many. I didn't jump in on UNLV, and I'm not going to. I'm going to pass the game. But again, you're talking about having to win by four buckets or more tonight. I don't think Utah State is trustworthy enough to do that. They didn't shoot well from the three-point line. They had the rough game against Colorado State, as you mentioned. And I think UNLV, again, is a very well-coached basketball team uh, that is kind of flying under the radar in the Mountain West a little bit. They've been winning games of late. I know the schedule's been soft, but they've been doing what they need to get it done. Hamilton, Bryce Hamilton looked good the other night. Not just his 14 points, but he's doing a great job of leading the offense. He had eight dishes, eight assists the other night in that game and got other people involved. So I lean to UNLV. I'm going to pass the game, but I lean that way. All right. All right, my man, catch him there at Doc Sports. He is on fire. doesn't matter what sport. And we'll talk to you next week, my friend. We start uh, really breaking down all aspects of the Super Bowl. We'll talk some matchups with you. I look forward to that. Perfect, man. Take care, guys. There he is. Great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. And, again, Doc Sports uh, for Scott's picks and uh, the rest of the crew over there as well, too. All right, I want to thank Heidi Fang for joining us. Scott Spritzer, uh, and also Bob Nightingale talking about the Hall of Fame stuff. All of those interviews up on the website. Check out the show. Uh, we'll be up there after the show. Give Numchuk a, a 42 minutes. Get him up. Then he won't be. He'll be fined after after that. That's okay. All right. So uh, check it out. TCMartinShow.com. All right, my man. What are you thinking? As far as what? Anything. <laughs> Thank you. Isn't that great? I guess that's that's, that's my bad for for leading you into a brick wall. There you have it. All right. More hockey tomorrow. We'll talk about that as well, too. Friday, come by the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. We'll be talking some VGK, of course, with VGK Frank and Brian Benowitz. So look forward to all that. All right. So we will catch you tomorrow right here, 2 o'clock. Have yourself a good one. Hasta la vista, baby. Skating and out of here? Skating out.